for some people, going to work is actually something they welcome. They don't want to be home. They want to be working. They want to be in the workplace. And they find comfort in the social connection, in being with colleagues. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. Today is the final episode in our series about mental health in the workplace. Our guest is Darcy Gradadaro, director of the Center for Workplace Mental Health at the American Psychiatric Association Foundation. Darcy's organization works with companies of all sizes, giving them tools to support the mental health of their employees. She says that having a warm and social atmosphere in the workplace is more important than ever right now during these stressful times. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graphpinkert.com. That's www.graff. P-I-N-K-E-R-T dot com. I am honored to be with Darcy Greta Daro, Director of the Center for Workplace Mental Health at the American Psychiatric Association Foundation. Welcome to the show, Darcy. Thanks. No, it's great to be here. I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah. Well, this is great because it is our third episode in our series about mental health as relating to the workplace. Explain where you work, Darcy. Sure. Happy to do that. So I work at the Center for Workplace Mental Health. We are a program of the American Psychiatric Association Foundation, and we work with employers of all sizes to help them develop programs, tools, resources to support the mental health and well-being of their employees and their families. Okay. So it's really specifically working with the companies or organizations. Yes, exactly. Okay. So it's not really meant for individuals. It's going through this other level before you get to the individual level. We do develop resources that would be of interest to people who are employees of organizations. For example, we have a lot of resources on mental health topics like depression and anxiety and substance use and suicide prevention. So if someone were interested in better understanding some of the warning signs of those conditions and what they may look like in the workplace experience, they can certainly come and and review our resources and I suspect they do. Okay. And before we go any further, just give me the two minute life story. So I have a connection with uh, serious mental health conditions in my family. And I started out as a lawyer and in practice as a litigator. And I worked with some hospital clients, was doing a fair amount of work with their psychiatric units and found the topic of great interest. So I decided to move to DC where I could work more at a policy level. 
And I started working at the National Alliance on Mental Illness, also known as NAMI, in, on policy issues, state policy, federal policy, and related issues, and spent 17 years there, mostly working on the public sector side before learning about this opportunity to really work on the private sector side. To work with some public sector employers like cities and municipalities and states, but mostly we work on the private sector. And I thought, wow, what a great way to really make a difference to have private employers get really engaged on mental health issues. And we certainly need plenty of work on reforming the mental health system. So my assumption is it's growing the number of private companies or public companies, but the private sector, they're getting more interested in the mental health of their employees? 100%. That was certainly true before COVID started to be such a big part of our lives in March of 2020. It was growing every year and I've been at the foundation running the center for three and a half years. So I would say in those two and a half years before COVID, it just was really growing every year. And now there's a really broad recognition that workplace mental health is a high priority for employers of all sizes. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I mean, it's in their best interest, just even monetarily. You know, some I'm sure have more altruistic, noble goals than others. Yeah, I mean, it really is. So tell me then uh, a little bit more about the employee assistance program. How does that work? What are you doing uh, for the companies? What are you giving the companies various programs, frameworks to, to guide them? We are. So we provide employers with support around raising mental health awareness, eradicating stigma, how to break down some of the other barriers that prevent people from getting help when they need it. We also work with employers in helping them develop strategies around policies and practices to build a more mentally healthy culture, because we know when the culture is more open to mental health, employees feel more psychologically safe getting help when they need it. And then in the third big area is really focusing on access to care to ensure that when people need help and they come forward to get it, that it's there and it's available. So there's everything from employee assistance programs that are often offered by external vendors to digital health options. We increasingly are seeing apps around sleep and coaching and mentoring and navigating the mental health system. And then of course, there's also the mental health benefits that come through most health plans that employers offer. So it's sort of the whole spectrum of issues that we work with employers on. So in these programs, in the health insurance they're offering, there's more and more support for going to a psychologist for mental health? There is. Interesting. Most employers, certainly mid-sized to large employers, offer a mental health benefit. And having a benefit, though, is just half of the story, because the other thing is understanding how to navigate the mental health system, which is very complicated because many mental health health plans, so in other words, your health plan that offers your benefits, they may not have enough mental health providers in the network. So you may be ready to get help, but learn that there are very few psychologists, there are very few psychiatrists, and they're not taking new patients, or they have a three to six month wait. So there are a lot of challenges around accessing care. 
Do you guys guide them on like what kind of therapist to to seek out? I mean, we we all know there's maybe a lot of people don't realize it, but I mean, there's psychiatrists and analysts and people who give totally different feedback. Do you guys help people out with that or help companies with that? We do. We have a lot of information on our website about benefits and what psychiatrists offer versus a psychologist versus a social worker. And you're right, there is a wide spectrum of options available. And psychiatrists are medical doctors. So they are typically prescribing medication. They're creating a comprehensive treatment plan. They're often working with people on the more serious end of the spectrum that have more serious conditions. Psychologists primarily provide therapy. So, and very often when people have conditions like major depression, they are often prescribed a medication and also it's recommended that they get therapy as well. So they may have two providers that they work with. So we do help employers understand how to build their benefit package, but they also get help from benefit consultants. And there are some excellent benefit consultants that work with large employers around the country. Okay. Uh, we had talked about various statistics and trends you're seeing, you know, anxiety, depression, PTSD, even suicide during COVID. You know, a lot of people talk about people who are cooped up in their house and what that can do to people. But a lot of our audience are people that got back in the shop. And the people I talk to, you know, they, they sort of shrug off COVID. They're in the shop. They're doing fine. Some of them have even had it, but are just like, yeah, whatever. I had it. That's fine. You know, I think it may have something to do with various states of people I talk to. It has to do with people's politics. Maybe they want to think a certain thing. And I'm not saying to everybody who thinks one way or another that, you know, there's one thing that's right or, or not. But Tell me what you've found, because, you know, I just have anecdotal stuff. What have you found with people in the shop, um, blue collar people, people working in factories? And what have you found inside people who have to work inside? And give me some comparisons. Sure. Well, I'll speak first to the national numbers. I mean, we do know these, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, has been collecting weekly pulse data starting in March of 2020, right through where we are today. And what we're seeing nationally is a tripling of people experiencing symptoms of anxiety or depression. So these are not folks that are diagnosed, but they are feeling anxious and depressed. And that's very concerning because that's a big jump. So we know nationally those numbers are growing. We also know that for some people going to work is actually something they welcome, that they don't want to be home. They want to be working. They want to be in the workplace. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And that they find comfort in the social connection and being with colleagues. So it's a very individual call. There may be people that go to work who are feeling anxious about the fact that they're there. They may not show it. And let me just say, there are some professions we're showing any sign of anxiety or feeling down could be very negatively received by colleagues, like coworkers, right? As a yeah, sign yeah. of weakness, or it may be a more stoic profession where, you know, come on, give me a break, depression. 
that's not real. And, you know, some of those professions have high incidence of suicide. So we know that that fear of judgment and that stigma that runs high in some professions can actually be a detriment to people getting the help they need and can result in higher incidence of suicide. So that is worrisome. That is true in construction and the building trades and some areas of manufacturing. So what you want is you want, so, so it's an interesting question because COVID has us all over the map. You have some people who wanna be at work and some people who are very happy being there and mentally healthy being there. You have other people going into work feeling very fearful and feeling very down about it and worrying a lot and having very high stress levels. You're saying that some of those people, they've reported it anonymously, but on the surface say they're fine. They may never mention they're not fine at work and certainly not mention. Now, the other thing they may do is they may say, oh, I have a headache. I'm just not feeling well. I'm not sleeping well. They may blame it on other issues, like physically they're feeling, rather than mention mental health out of concern that it could be seen as a character flaw or you can't hack it. You know, those are real concerns. And the stigma runs deep in certain, certainly I would imagine in manufacturing, mm-hmm. there is not likely an openness to talking about mental health. Interesting. Do you think that, I mean, manufacturing, particularly our sector is male dominant. Do you think there's more problems with mental health with men than women? It depends. So for example, depression impacts women at a much higher rate than it does men. Okay. Now substance use, and I don't believe they break it down by profession, but it wouldn't surprise me if in manufacturing, because people get injured, the risk is higher for substance use. People may dull pain with alcohol or drugs, or may actually be prescribed opioids and other addictive medications because they they are injured or hurt on the job. Or, I mean, the risk is certainly higher there. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the culture and the stoic nature of profession like manufacturing would make it unlikely that people would openly seek help. Right. So are you thinking that the data may be skewed I don't know that the data is skewed. I just don't know that the, that the research has drilled in that much to really examine the, you know, how that plays out. Certainly, there's a lot of speculation that manufacturing and construction are not professions in which there's an, a real openness around getting help when you need it for mental health issues. Okay. And there's a real concern there. Sure. So... What advice do you give for employers? You know, we have a lot of company owners that listen to this or management. What do you advise them to do to help employees that are having problems? Sure, I mean, it sounds like there's resources, there's apps, et cetera, but what else can they do on a personal level? There is so much that leaders can do. Owners, business owners, highest levels of leadership. They really set the culture and the tone of an organization. Sometimes the more leaders can show some level of vulnerability, Mm. it really opens the door, which is not a natural thing for leaders to do because they want to be seen as in control and, you know, infallible. And, you know, I'm I'm not going to experience anything that could be perceived as weakness. But the reality is the more that leaders 
talk about, and they don't even have to use the mental health language. They can say, this is a stressful time for many. We're seeing, even if you're at work every day, you are likely seeing small businesses in your community close. You may have family members who are losing jobs. You may see an economic downturn in your community and in your life around you. So for a leader to say, this is a stressful time, we're all experiencing high rates of stress. People may be feeling anxious about the future and staying healthy. And because of all that, it's really important to use our EAP if you have an employee assistance program to really let HR know if you're having any issues connecting with the help that you need through our benefits plan to have leaders. So you're, you're saying you're saying what you're saying right now, you're role playing. That's what yes. the the owner should tell the employees. Absolutely. They should really, because the more you make mental health related issues like sleep, stress, um, feeling down, you don't have to use the mental health language if it doesn't fit with your culture, but the more you speak about those issues, the more likely it is you'll have people come forward and get the help they need when they need it. The other thing is letting people know if you're experiencing these issues, get help early. It's like any health condition. If you wait with cancer, you can go from stage one to stage four. If you wait with depression and anxiety and substance use, you can get a very serious condition that presents a huge risk to you and your family and your loved ones, frankly. Yeah. I mean, that sounds good. To me, it sounds like a lot of stuff that people would be in denial about or, you know, you say, oh, you ought to get more sleep. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like conceptually that sounds good, but you know the statistics. So you'd say that telling that to the employees in the right way, that does work for some. It does. And it's not just telling them once. It's remind, making mental health part of your health discussions. So in the same way, I was recently traveling in Texas and I saw this whole construction site stretching. They were all stretching before work. They were, you know, touching their toes. And I mean, this is an injury prevention approach. That's awesome. It was awesome. And we worked with a utility company on a case study in which they did, imagine this, meditation. And they had a photograph of all of their pole climbers, utility workers, lying on mats with their hard hats next to them lying on their backs doing meditation and they talked about how much these predominantly men really enjoy this experience of meditation to quiet their minds to really focus it helped to prevent injury it had really positive effects and it may have had a, a nice effect of unity absolutely and a lot of people don't have time to do it or kicking the tush to to do it could be really helpful and making time on the job so that it's not something you're expecting people to do on their own really speaks to the fact that you care about your employees. That's a small thing that can be done to really show that you care about their mental health and well-being and that you're willing to invest some of the workday time in it. Right, right. And one thing we talked about before was you encouraging chattiness in the workplace. I mean, I, I, chattiness can be rather distracting, but you're saying that now is the time for people to feel some unity. And, and I could see that being a big problem with people who are working at home, 
because you don't have the water cooler or the coffee to chat with people. Yeah, I mean, this is a time to recognize we are at a moment in time that none of us in our lives have ever experienced. So this pandemic is historic. It's it's a whole new experience for everyone, whether you're at work or not. Everything in your community has changed. And recognizing that it is a time to process, process information, create social connectedness. Social connectedness is part of the human experience. So conversations, seeing each other and just exchanging niceties matters. As human beings, we care about that. Even if we say we don't, we do. So even if you're an introvert, having some small percentage of your day that involves social interaction is important. Yeah. So for those working at home who have been in isolation for more than a year, it is extremely important that businesses think about ways to create the ability to to connect. So again, this could be a manager reaching out to an employee on a Zoom format and asking, how are you doing? And then asking, how are you really doing, Darcy? This is a really tough time. We've never gone through anything like this. And I just want to make sure everything's okay. You're juggling a lot with your schedule. You're probably not getting a lot of social connection. How can I support you in that? Right. And even if people think it's cheesy and roll their eyes, it could still make a difference. It's still is being said to them. Absolutely. And again, the rolling of the eyes may be something someone does outwardly, but inwardly, they may be really appreciating that you're showing that you care about them. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Do you think that after COVID is over, people are going to, in some respects, be stronger than they were before? They'll have learned some coping mechanisms, or do you think it's going to be a bigger problem? It's just going to be a huge mess. Good question. The prediction is that there will be after effects when we get back to quote unquote normal, whatever that is, there will be for at least another three years, some real concerns around mental health. And if it's not the employees who are listening to this podcast, it may be their family members. We know there's a lot of concern around teens and adolescent depression. Their lives have been heavily disrupted. Yeah. On the other hand, You raise such a good point around, we've been through a lot and going through experiences like this can raise resiliency. People understand, hey, I got through that. I can get through other hard times. And so there is likely to be some residual resiliency too. And it's important that managers and leaders remind people that we've been through a lot and we've weathered the storm and we are coming out on the other side, but we still need to stick together. This is another point for leaders to really remind people. Okay. Well, I mean, also what comes to my mind is with these coping mechanisms that you encourage, perhaps these will, they'll stay after it's all over. And maybe in the end, you know, it's a net positive. That's the hope. That's the hope. We just have to keep keep an eye on each other. And really, that's where communication comes in. That's where checking in comes in. All of that matters. Sure. Just uh, a couple other questions to grill you on on a few questions. And I'm just curious your, your instinct. Uh, mental health in the United States versus other countries. Um, I know other countries are all over the place. 
do you know any any statistics any studies uh, you know they always say like scandinavian countries they've got a lot of social trust and various other countries have very little social trust do you can you shed any light on anything or do you not feel comfortable like you know making generalizations well since i focus on workplace mental health let me start there and saying there are other countries like Canada has voluntary workplace mental health standards that employers are asked to follow. So there's a lot of information in Canada around workplace issues, around work hours, stress, the services and supports that are available, information that employers share with employees about mental health. So Canada is ahead of us. California is actually looking at creating comparable voluntary workplace standards. The UK has had the support of the royal family in creating organizations that focus on workplace mental health. So they have placed a lot of emphasis on it, as has Australia. But I will say, despite all of that, I think we all are struggling with how to do this well. And part of the reason is that people really First of all, mental health has stigma attached to it, and it, it, it does now. We still have a long way to go. But at the end of the day, people still fear the judgment that can come with being open about a mental health issue, and it may impact their opportunities for advancement, the way their colleagues regard them, the assignments they get at work, the confidence people have in their ability to sit in certain spots you know, in a manufacturing facility to manage certain areas, they're, they're worried about that. And they think that knowing that someone struggles with the mental health issues will undermine confidence in their ability. Yeah. And, and maybe that's true. And maybe that's true. And that's where getting treatment comes into play very much so. So here's what we know. What we know is there are leaders at every level of organizations. There are CEOs, there are CHROs, CFOs in companies across this country that live with diagnoses. It is not an impediment to advancement. They very likely hide it mightily, but you can do almost everything with a diagnosis that you can do without. And all of it depends on getting the right treatment. That's what matters. What does the word happiness uh, mean to you when you hear that word? Gosh, that's a really hard question. <laughs> no, I mean, this is the first thing that comes to mind for, for you, not like in general. A feeling of feeling settled, feeling like everything is going well and feeling like you are contributing and you have purpose in your life and you have hope and you look forward to the day and days ahead. No one's ever asked me that, by the way. It's a really good question. Now I want to go back and rethink it. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's always just interesting to see what people, what comes to mind. What's something really interesting that you learned this last week about anything? Let's see. I would say I learned that I forgot how much work it is to have a new puppy. Ah, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. We have a new puppy and it's a lot of work. It's been 10 years since I had a new puppy and I learned it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun too. Darcy, if people want to go uh, learn more, 
where can they learn more about the organization? They can come to our website, which is workplacementalhealth.org. That's an easy one to remember. Thank you. Thank you, Noah. And I think what you're doing in addressing mental health within a primarily manufacturing audience is extremely important. So I really appreciate the visibility you're giving it. Thank you so much. From today's machining world, this is Swarfcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on your favorite app and give us a five-star rating and a review. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to join our mailing list, read episode summaries, and watch extended interview videos. I'm Noah Graff. My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graff. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. Our audio engineer is Patricio Garcia. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information at todaysmachiningworld.com. 